We are up to chapter 5, Mishnah number 13, Arba Midot Ba'adam. There are four types of character traits amongst people. Number one, Haomer, the, the one who says, Sheli Sheli Veshalcha Shalcha. My property is mine, your property is yours. Zu Mida Benunis. This is average character. Vyesh Omrim, and there are those who say, Zu Midas Sodom. This is the characteristic of Sodom. Of course, Sodom and Gomorrah featured in Genesis, a terrible set of cities, very wicked, and they were overturned by God. Okay, so that's the first kind of person. Someone says, what's mine is mine, what's yours is yours. The second kind of person, Shali Shalcha Veshalach Shali. Mine is yours, and yours is mine. This person is classified as Amha Aretz. This is an unlearned person, someone who is somewhat of a fool. Yours is mine, mine is yours, doesn't believe in property rights. That is the second kind of person. Shali Shalach Veshalcha Shalach. If someone says, what my, what's mine is yours, and what's yours is yours, someone is really forgiving of others, allowing others to have their stuff, this person is classified as a chaser, as a pious person. And finally, shalcha shali, what's yours is mine. Veshali shali, what's mine is mine. This is a rasha. This is a wicked person. So this is our Mishnah. Again, this chapter has been all about numbers. We've had, you know, lists of 10, a list of seven. Now we're up to lists of four. Four kinds of people. Someone says, what's mine is mine and yours is yours. Either an average person or a person who is like a citizen of Sodom. What's mine is yours. What's yours is mine. That's a, just an unlearned person. I'm Aretz. What's mine is yours. What's yours is yours. A very righteous person, a pious person. And what's mine is mine. And what is yours is also mine. That is a wicked person. Now, if we look at this Mishnah, the last two make a lot of sense. Intuitively. You know, someone who is so giving and so generous that they're sit, that they, that they tell others, what's mine is actually yours. They're being very giving and benevolent with their own things, but they don't expect others to do the same. No, what's yours, you keep it. What's mine is yours, and what's yours is also yours. That's obviously a very righteous, very pious person. And someone who is the opposite, what's yours is mine, and what's mine is also mine, that's obviously someone who's very selfish and very rapacious and and stingy. That's a wicked person. So the last two make a lot of sense. Now, the commentaries note that the Talmud tells us that a person who does give charity should give somewhere between 10 and 20%. So tithing is 10%, up to 20%. You shouldn't give more than 20%. And therefore, the commentaries tell us when the Mishnah is describing a pious person, a chaser says, what's mine is yours, and what's yours is yours, it doesn't mean that they forfeit all of their stuff. No, they give up maybe 10%. If they want to tithe, if they want to be extra generous, they give up to 20%. They're very generous and giving in general, but not completely. Okay. What about the other two? The first two of our Mishnah. What's mine is mine, and what's yours is yours. So the Mishnah gives us two opinions as to what exactly this person is akin to. You know, if I told you, hey, what's mine is mine, what's yours is yours, To us, that sounds like property rights. You have your things, I have my things, mine is mine, yours is yours. 
Says the Mishnah, there's two opinions. Either that's an average person. Zumida Bainun. It's, it's average. That's a regular person. Alternatively, this person is Sodom-like. Which is obviously very bad. Much worse than average. So first of all, I want to share with you an amazing Rabbeinu Yonah on this part of the Mishnah. The Rabbeinu Yonah asks an amazing question. He says, wait a minute. One of the principles of Torah is to give charity, is to be generous and kind-hearted, and to give others from what you have. How can you possibly suggest, how can the first opinion of the Mishnah suggest that a person who gives no charity is average? This is not an average person. This is someone who's completely wicked. It's a very strongly worded question. How can you say that someone who says what's mine is mine, what's yours is yours, is average? The person is not giving charity. And if someone refrains and withholds from giving charity, they are completely wicked, says Rabbeinu Charity is, after all, a very central component of Torah. The Talmud tells us that charity is the one mitzvah that is equal to all 613 mitzvahs combined, meaning that it represents Torah in general. So how could you say that someone who gives no charity is average? Someone like that is completely wicked. So Rabbi Yonah gives a very novel answer to this question. He says that our mission is not talking about someone who doesn't give charity. Or at least this part of the mission. What's mine is mine, what's yours is yours. That's not referring to someone who does not give charity at all. That is a reference to someone who does give charity. But they give charity because they feel compelled to do it. God says I got to give charity and therefore I have to give charity. And it hurts me. And it's painful. And uh, I feel so bad. I got to give some of my hard-earned money to this person or to this charitable cause. And naturally, they're very stingy. And they clench their nose and they make a sour face and they frown and it causes them tremendous pain and they give charity. That is what it's referring to when it says, what's mine is mine, what's yours is yours. So what's the dispute? According to the first opinion, the person's average. Because you know what? They gave charity. And who cares what they actually feel? The bottom line is they give charity. Okay, so that's average. Average person gives charity. And according to the second opinion, no. They're Sodom-like. Because Sodom and Gomorrah was all about the fact that you're not changing your character. You are going to maintain the selfish pose that you enter the world with. The idea of improving, the idea of character development, the idea of progress, the idea of fixing yourself, improving yourself. Taking who you are and saying, I don't have to be that person, I can improve. That idea was foreign to the members of Sodom and Gomorrah. And this person, they're giving charity, but it's not affecting them. It's not actually changing them. And the objective of Torah is not just that we just mindlessly do things. The objective of Torah is that we change ourselves. And thus, someone who gives charity, but in their head it's painful because what's mine is mine and what's yours is yours, and I'm being forced to give something that's mine to you. Someone like that 
has an element of Sodom-like character to them. But, concludes Rabbi if someone actually gives no charity, that's not featured in the Mishnah because that everyone would agree that is someone who is a completely wicked person. Both the opinion that says that that person who says what's mine is mine and what's yours is yours is an average person or the opinion that says that that person is Sodom-like, everyone agrees that if a person gives no charity, they are indeed a wicked person. This is an amazing Rabbi He's telling us that to give charity is not something worthy of glory. It's not like a good mitzvah that you do, oh, well, of course it's a mitzvah, but it's not something that, that, oh, you should be admired for, whoa, amazing person that gave some charity. It's a most basic thing. And if someone refrains from it, they're completely wicked. And that is not in dispute. The dispute is only about someone who gives charity, but very reluctant, but very reluctantly. Can't say that word. Let me try that again. But very reluctantly. They're giving charity, but it's not wholehearted. They feel bad about it. That's the dispute, according to Rabbi Yona. It's teaching us that when you give charity, you should do it joyously. The mitzvahs are there to change us. It's not just that we should stay the same selfish person that we entered the world as. Torah mitzvahs there to transform us to be good people, kindly people, benevolent people, righteous people, pious people. We should give charity with the full heart and with tons of joy. This is the novel interpretation of Rabbi When it says, what's mine is mine and what's yours is yours, it's referring to someone who does give charity, but reluctantly. Now, most of the commentaries, they understand the Mishnah differently. They understand the Mishnah as it is written. The first person, the first characteristic of the Mishnah, if someone says, mine is mine and yours is yours, that means literally. What's mine is mine, what's yours is yours, and they give no charity. And again, to us, this sounds a lot like property rights. If someone doesn't take what belongs to other people and they maintain their own property, that sounds like a good citizen. Yet, the second opinion of the mission says that this person is comparable to Sodom. The Sodom is almost like the absolute paradigmatic example of evil. The Almighty said that Sodom and Gomorrah are beyond repair, are irrevocably evil, and it has to be completely destroyed. It was overturned and stuffed into the crust of the earth. And Abraham tried to intercede on behalf of the city, and you couldn't even find tents of the in the city. In the Talmud, when it talks about the people who lose all claims to the afterlife, the Talmud lists the people of Sidom alongside those who lose their portion in Omaba. They are gone forever. They are down the spiritual abyss forever. And our Mishnah says that someone who believes in property rights may be Sodom-like. What does someone who believes in property rights have to do with Sodom and Gomorrah? Sodom and Gomorrah. 
So there's a deep idea here. The people of San Gomorrah had a philosophy. Their philosophy was that the Almighty gives me what is mine. The Almighty gives you what is yours. Everyone is on their own. And there should be no interdependence. There should be no charity. And the Talmud says that they were blessed with the most luscious of lands. And they made a calculation and said, wait, we have this amazing land. It's very prosperous. It's very fertile. We have everything we need. We're a self-contained society. What benefit could we possibly get by having any passerby come? By having any guests? How will they improve our lot? The Almighty gives us this amazing land. Why do we need passerby? How could they possibly improve our situation? That was their theory. Yours is yours. Mine is mine. Don't come. And on a certain level, their perspective can be somewhat justified theologically. Wait a minute. If God gave me something, he gave it to me and not to you. So he obviously wants me to have it and not to you. If he wanted you to have it, he would have given it to you. Isn't that a good argument? The Almighty gave me something and he gave it to me and not to you. So why should I give it to you? If the Almighty wants you to have it, he would have given it to you directly. Cut out the middleman. So for the fact that they might give it to me and not to you, it must be that they might wants me to have it. Isn't that a good argument? You can make a case for Sodom-like miserliness based upon this philosophy. But we're told it's evil. And the reason why is because we do believe they might gave it to you. The Almighty does give you tremendous goodness. But He wants you to develop good character. And He wants you to share that goodness with others. He wants us to build a just and righteous society where people help each other. He wants us to say that when you have a problem, when you have a need, when you have a deficiency, when there's a situation that you find yourself lacking something, the rest of us should pitch in. There should be some sort of safety net that helps all in need. Of course, you hope to never need it. But it's really nice to know that in the event that you do fall on tough times, the community's got your back. That is a righteous society. Everyone chips in to help those in need. But not in Sodom and Gomorrah. What's mine is mine. And what's yours is yours. And if the money wanted to give you something, he would have given it to you directly. Don't make me improve my character. Don't make me give you something that's mine. Now, there's an interesting question on this Mishnah. If someone says, what's mine is mine, what's yours is yours, the first opinion says, well, that's average. The second opinion says, that's Sodom-like. Because the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, those people, they believed, mine is mine and yours is yours. That's what the Mishnah tells us. Now, if you look at the Talmud, the Talmud talks a lot about Sodom and Gomorrah, the book of Sanhedrin, page 109a, going into 109b. And the Talmud says that they actually, no, they didn't say what's mine is mine and what's yours is yours. They would also say what's yours is mine. They would steal. 
And the Talmud gives us a bunch of stories to this effect, how they would steal. The Talmud says that when they saw someone that had a lot of money, then they would get them to be killed like an accident. They would say, why don't you go stand over there next to the wall? The wall's a little shaky. And they would hope the wall would fall on top of them and crush them. And then they'll be able to take all their stuff. So from the Talmud says that they didn't suffice by saying, oh, what's yours is yours, what's mine is mine. They would say, what's yours is actually also mine. I want what you have. And it says that even would resort to murder to achieve those aims. The Talmud also tells us that when they wanted to steal from someone, they would pretend that they really loved them. And they would say, oh, I want to give you some nice perfume because I love you so much. I love you so much. Here's some nice perfume. And the person would say, oh, wow, this person really loves me. They gave me perfume. What a good friend. And they would take the perfume, very valuable, very expensive, and they would put it in their safe, in their storage houses where they kept all their valuables. And now the person who gave the gift would burrow into their house and start smelling. Where can I smell the perfume? Because the perfume, that's where all the gold and silver is. And they would burrow into their houses and find all the source of their wealth and steal it all. In the words of the Talmud, they would sniff around like a dog to try to find it and take away their stuff. The Talmud gives us actually a humorous story. One of the rabbis was giving a lecture. And they were up to the Torah section that talks about the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. And the rabbi says, okay, this is part of the Torah. I got to give you a lecture on this. And it says, well, the people of Sodom and Gomorrah were very wicked. And they would do terrible things. That's what the Torah says. The rabbi says, okay, I got to give you a lecture on the terrible things that they did. So he gave them a whole lecture to describe how they would burrow into other people's houses and how they would steal, because that's, after all, part of the Torah. But that night... Some of the people that were listening to the lecture, they said, you know what? That sounds like a pretty good idea. So all the ingenious methods devised by the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, as revealed by the great rabbi in the lecture, were actually implemented in the city. And the way the Talmud describes it, it says, that night there were 300 tunnels excavated in this city to try to steal from homeowners. And all the people who were stolen from that night they're like, well, there's this spate of robberies. What happened? And someone said, well, the great rabbi gave a lecture and he described the methods of Sodom and Gomorrah and the students decided to, or some of the students decided to test it out. And they went to the great rabbi and said, why are you speaking about these things? And the rabbi responded, did I know that thieves come to my lecture? I had no idea. But again, what we see from this is the Talmud is quite clear that the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, they stole too. They didn't say what's yours is yours. They said what's yours is also mine. The Talmud, in addition, tells us that they had the following way of committing theft. They would steal something so inconsequential that it wouldn't be worthy even of contesting it in court, of trying to stop it. If someone comes and steals a toothpick from you, you're not going to make a big deal about it. But if everyone comes and steals a toothpick, before you know it, you lose a lot of wood, right? So Talmud says that someone was building a house, and every member of Sodom and Gomorrah would come and take one brick. If someone steals one brick, it's not a big deal. You have thousands of bricks. But if the whole city comes and everyone takes a brick, suddenly you're left with nothing. 
Someone will leave their fruits and vegetables out to dry, and everyone will come and take just one. It's so insignificant and so inconsequential, but it accrues, and that is the way that the people suffering more would guarantee the person has no bricks left, has no fruits and vegetables left. The Talmud also tells us that in Sodom, they had a bed of procrustes for travelers. They would invite the travelers that did show up. Come lay down, be our guest. And in the event that the bed was a little bit too short for them, they would chop off their feet to make sure it fits. And in the event that they were too short for the bed, they would stretch out their legs. This is some serious sadistic stuff here. People of Gomorrah did. And the Talmud tells us that Eliezer, the servant of Abraham, he happened to have ended up one day in Sodom and Gomorrah. And they said, come join us. Here's a comfortable bed to sleep on. But of course, he was too clever for them. And he says, no, ever since my mother died, I made a vow that I can't be happy for my mother's dead. I can never sleep on a bed. And therefore, I'm going to sleep only on the floor. And that's the way he avoided the bed of Procrustes treatment. Again, we're talking about some serious sadistic stuff. Talmud says that a poor person would come to Sodom and Gomorrah. Everyone had them a gold coin, but no shopkeepers would be willing to sell them any products. And they would die of starvation laden with gold coins. And every person who gave them a gold coin would come collect their coin. And then it tells us that there was one kind-hearted young maiden who surreptitiously gave food to a poor person. And they discovered the crime that this woman committed and they killed her in really macabre fashion. They lathered her in honey and the bees were all biting her until she died. The Thomas says that this was the straw that broke the camel's back this is the final death knell of the city. And this is what caused the Almighty to say, okay, it's over. I'm destroying the city. This is a sampling of some of the Talmud's stories about the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. Our Mishnah says that these people believed in property rights. What's mine is mine. What's yours is yours. Yeah, the Talmud is quite clear that they were murderers. And they committed blatant theft and they acted in quite sadistic and twisted ways. So which is it? Were they thieves who said what's yours is mine? Or did they believe in this principle of property rights? What's mine is mine and what's yours is yours. So I want to suggest an answer. Initially, they had a philosophy. And maybe the philosophy was indeed righteous. God gave me something. He gave it to me, not to you. God gave you something, gave it to you, not to me. What's mine is mine, what's yours is yours. That's how it got started. But then it developed. When you start living a life of total selfishness, you start to focus only on your interests you actually start to begin to covet all the things of other people. And when someone else owns something that you want, that person is viewed now as an impediment for you getting the goodies that you want. And after all, if your highest priority is accruing all the wealth that you could possibly get, 
maybe the person deserves to die. When you have this selfish philosophy, you cease to empathize with others in need. And you start to say they deserve what they get. They have it coming to them. You begin to dehumanize them and their money is fair game. Their life doesn't matter. Their life ceases to be valuable. And that could lead you down a very bad path. And you could end up like Sodom and Gomorrah. I think what this mission is telling us that yes, Sodom and Gomorrah did commit vile acts of theft and murder. Of course. But the source was this seemingly innocuous philosophy. What's mine is mine. What's yours is yours. They developed a philosophy of selfishness, and that is what led them down this path. And finally, we have the silly one. The silly one is the one who says, what's mine is yours, what's yours is mine. I think there's a word for this. It's called communism, perhaps. Collective ownership of the means of production. No one owns anything. And that, the mission tells us, that's the Amharats, that's the ignorant person. Because we believe in property rights. What Hashem gave you is yours. It's not your fellows. However, you are his steward. Truthfully, it's God's. And you are just the fiduciary of God. You are there to implement the will of God with the almighty stuff. You should use it for a mitzvah. Now again, the righteous one is one who says, I want to give and not get. 10% to 20%, that's how much you should give. Property rights, with the understanding that you are there to allocate the Almighty's goodness to you. That's the sweet spot to understand that you were given something by God for a purpose and to improve your character. I thank you for listening. My email address is rabbiwalby at gmail.com. I look forward to your questions and your comments and your feedback.